Hi Poppy fans and welcome to the PO Forecast episode 17. That's right, we're back after a week off. Matt's managed to recover from his chest infection. Hashtag syphilis. Syphilis, we all know that's true. (laughs) Now we're back and uh, we're ready to roll with this episode. So in part one we will be doing the review of the Charlton game, which has got, we've got a lot to say about that, even though it was a, well. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it can't get get far enough away can it really <laughs> yeah it was angering me just thinking about it and then we're going to go into reviewing the uh, Barnsley game and then in part two we've got some before we do Matt's debate we've got a little bit of potential breaking news bit of transfer news coming in so we'll fulfill you in then and then we have the big game the game that everyone's trying to get a ticket for the potentially the biggest crowd we've had in five years at Fratton Park that's right people it's Sunderland at home so before we get to that, Matt, let's let's start. Let's go through the games we've had already. Let's go Charlton. Yeah. It it was a really, really hard game to watch. Yeah, it was. I think my biggest thing about this is how I've seen over the last couple of weeks referees impacting football games. I understand that decisions can be made but this game there was well, it wasn't just the one there wasn't just the two there was three big decisions made that not that I can defend the fact that it it potentially cost us the three points because I think we we dug ourselves a big hole in that first half but it definitely you know did did cause the the problem especially I think after the Thompson sending off there was an extra added 5 minutes 6 and he minutes was 6 minutes yeah. and he was you know, sent off in the 88 minutes. So not that we knew it, but there was another potential eight minutes where we could have had 11 men on the field, would have piled the pressure on. Hugh will later discuss the XG stats, which you'll see, I mean, you, he'll put up online as well for you to see. The second half is is incredible, the amount of chances yeah. that were thrown on goal. And, and in all honesty, if you want to take a positive out of it, apart from putting the ball in the back of the net, which, you know, has been a big problem for us, I think, in, in terms of finishing teams off this season... We did a lot right in in getting the the amount of efforts that we 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 put on goal and you know they had that clearance off the line which handball yes or no no one will know definitely off the face and onto the bar afterwards yeah um, I mean what what more can you do really in that situation I mean I'm gonna slightly disagree on the on the on the fact of the performance because the first half performance I think was one of the worst first halves I've seen us play all season. I think we actually need to think about this, that when teams who... I mean, Charlton are a good team, okay, and they know how to, to get to get forward, they know how to score, mm-hmm. but they also sussed us out a little bit here, okay? They were on top of Ronan Curtis so quickly. They didn't give him any space down that side. They pushed out far enough as well to close Lee Brown down to stop him getting the ball out to Ronan Curtis on the, on the side. We didn't switch the play enough to Jamal Lowe on the other side, and when we did, at the end of the second half, we actually looked a little bit dangerous. The ball didn't get through to Gareth Evans in the middle enough, and we just seemed to be doggedly determined to get that ball down that left-hand side to Ronan Curtis. Yeah. It wasn't working. And sometimes when you when a team scouted you out and they know the ball's going to try and go left and right, you need to mix up how you play. You need to bring the ball. And sometimes we were, we were passing the ball, Matt, left, right, before anyone pressured the centre midfielder, mm-hmm. which is not very like us, to be honest. Tom Naylor looked rusty in midfield, in my opinion, in the first half. And it was one of those games that you just looked at and thought, it's going to be one of those days. And in the first half, I'll be honest, I thought, right, 
no complaints. Cholton were definitely the better side, and yeah. we started flat. Yeah. Flat is the word I yeah, use. Yeah, yeah. But second half, we turned that round completely, and we were the better team. We definitely should have, you know, gone on to win the game. I mean, when we're looking at the stats, I did actually have the exact stats out in front of me, but we actually dominated chances. And you think, right, that's the Barnsley ones. That's not what I'm looking at. Yeah, but, he's just shuffling through his paperwork for anyone yeah. wondering what this uh, noise in the background yeah. is. So I wanted to get the exact stats for you people. So looking at the XG, the expected goals, okay, we had 2.3 to Charlton's 1.4. If you look at the first half, right, yeah, yeah, we created absolutely nothing, as I've just said, okay? Yeah. And they went and got those goals. In the second half, especially in the last sort of, you know, 20 minutes, 10, 20 minutes, we literally had, it was an onslaught, an absolute onslaught. And, you know, penalties, how many could we have got? Definitely at least two. It's one of those games that we should have have won. My my biggest bugbear really is, although the decisions went against us for both goals, definitely a foul in the build-up to the first one. And then obviously the, the most obvious ball out of play situation I think anyone will ever see. And... Bearing in mind the assistant referee was, what, all of about a foot away from the incident. Oh, yeah. The the ref isn't that far away from it. You've got to play to the whistle. You know, I, I was I was learning that at the age of 10. And I, and I know, that obviously, during a game, you, you're not always, you know, thinking about what you're doing as such, and you're just trying to get the ball and, and get, get your play going. But twice, twice in, in both goals, they stopped and looked for a whistle. And, and ultimately... The, the goals came from that. Yeah, the whole of the North Stand where I was could actually see the ball out of play. It was obvious. The linesman was standing right there. All game, the decisions were dreadful. And, and I think the worst thing about it is, you know, it, it, the, the red card was rescinded, obviously a couple of days later. The FA must have surely looked at his performance and they've rescinded the red card knowing that it was wrong, yet... The guy, the next or a couple of days later, is refereeing in the championship for the Preston Millwall game. You know where where is this consistency coming, and and where are they setting the grounds for errors such as as that referees made? Well, there's absolutely no grounds for it. But let's be honest, and we were talking about the standard of refereeing in the lower levels, and I think the problem is that players have got better at this level. They've got faster. They've got more technical, and unfortunately, that the officials they just haven't kept up with play. No, and that's something that. It's not the fact that I think the refereeing in some ways has got worse, but the level of players has got better yes. and they've not managed to keep up with it. No, I agree with you. I mean, just a couple of stats from the game. So um, the burst session stats, they were pretty even. Pompey came up with 51%. The the one that stands out the most is the actual the shot count on, on, the, on the game. So Pompey had 18 shots in the game uh, to Charlton's eight. Um, which I imagine probably came mostly in the first half. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they they were clinical. Um, obviously, there was a player that I pointed out in the podcast uh, the week before, Carla Hearn Grant. You know, I said that he, he was dangerous. I've seen him play before. Ultimately, he did end up coming off. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person that replaced him, Nicky Jose, got the second goal. Lyle Taylor. Now, he was the player, right, okay, tell you what, he got a lot of abuse from the Pompey fans, okay? Tell me all about it, mate. He got a lot of abuse <laughs> from the Pompey fans, all right? But he he's the kind of player that I wouldn't mind having down at Fratton Park because 
he's a good player, he's dangerous, he's quick, he's a good finisher. But not only that, right? when Charlton had their backs against the wall, yeah, he was back in the box, defending, chasing people down. Even when you see the Ben Thompson red card, which wasn't a red card, yeah. he, he was there battling to get win the ball back. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I think he was a bit cheeky. If anything, his ball, his, sorry, his ball, his foot was coming, actually rolling over the top of the ball. And he has a blatant look up at the referee, sees the referee start looking in his direction and then throws himself back down to the floor again. Oh, yeah, for sure. But regardless of that, what I'm saying is he was a player that he his work ethic was there massively, as well as being a skilled, fast striker who can score. You know, we'll talk another time about who we want to get in transfer-wise, yeah. but yeah. he was actually the sort of player that we could actually do with up front. Okay, interesting, interesting. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, and apart from sort of screaming about the, the referee's decisions, which I think we could probably do all season, funny little story, Charlton get a man sent off on the weekend against AFC Wimbledon, first minute. So I just felt the need to, to point out to the Charlton fans that karma came around pretty quickly. Yeah, so they appreciated and, uh, that, didn't they? I don't know if, if any of the listeners saw, but uh, one of them swiftly asked me to, to move on. So I just you know thought I'd let him know that we would be moving on in May. Matt's um, best joke he's had all year. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but we always know this, mate. Uh, the one joke a year, it has to come out. It's, it's it. not happened all year. We're now in December. It was time for it to happen. It's been coming, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, on to Barnsley. Let's roll into Barnsley. Yeah. Very, very different game. Very, very different game. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, the, the stats before we were talking about with, with the expected goal stats, which we dominated against Charlton, Rolls reverse against Barnsley. You know, I think we only had a 0.6 expected goals and they had over two. And it's one of those ones in which they're a good team. They're unbeaten at home. And it's a very good point, in my opinion. I, I 100% agree with you. The the point, I would have, if someone had said to me at the start of the season, what would you take from Barnsley away? I'd, I would have definitely said a point then. And I was delighted with the point considering, you know, the performance. But... Was it a case of, of, of the fact that Pompey were bad or were Barnsley good? You know, McGivery's he's made, what, nine, ten absolute fantastic saves throughout that yeah. game. Obviously, you know, rightfully got man of the match for Pompey News now. Yeah. You know, and I mean, all right, the, the goal I think we conceded was poor. I was a bit disappointed that he got in front of our man to, to kind of drop that into the corner of the net, shall we say. But... You know, at the same time, it was hard earned, and and all right, we had you said we had the 0.6 xg, but Gareth Evans' goal, well taken goal, poor, poor defending. I think yeah. their manager will be going mental about that. So I'm just going to do my little stats. So Barnsley had 56 percent possession in that game, mm-hmm. and obviously I was sort of saying that the 18 shots we had against Charlton, well, roles were reversed. So Barnsley had 18 shots to our nine during that game. Yeah. Um, you know, so in a way, yes, point really well earned. Obviously, gaps now shut down to, to four points with Luton winning it away at Coventry on the weekend. So, you know, I think at the time you've got to look at it and go, it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. Could have been down to, you know, three, three points. So yeah. at the end of the day, I'm delighted with it. I, I don't think we could have really you know, gone and, and had a performance like that and really expected to come out with any more than a point. So Yeah. One question I'm gonna throw out there for you, Matt. 
Kenny Jacket has we haven't had many injuries, okay, in the yeah. squad. And yeah. Kenny Jacket, we're winning and he's rolling out with the same team, isn't he? He is, yes. We're putting the same team on the field. I saw that Ronan Curtis came out in the sportsman and said, I'm not tired. I'm not fatigued. But do you think there's a bit of a bit of that cut creeping into the team when you play the same starting players week in, week yeah. out across multiple games? I, I, yeah, I, th- I think you have to, to say, especially if you sort of go through our fixtures that we've played so far this season, look along the score lines of them and you've got to see that a lot of them have been really, really hard earned points, you know, throughout this season. We've had to work hard for our points and I, I'm not taken away from that, but ultimately a team is going to get knackered when they're putting in constant shifts week in, week out. And as we've said, and it's a complete bugbear of mine, the rotation needs to happen quicker during games as far as I'm concerned. You were saying earlier, obviously you were at the Charlton game at home. Ronan Curtis was getting picked out in the first half, wasn't getting the time, space on the ball. You know, I mean, you, you can tell me, seeing that you were there, Andre Green obviously came on, scored the goal. Did he change the game and and the actual outlook of this, the tempo that we were setting during that game? I don't think he's changed the tempo. I think it was just good to have someone with some fresh legs come on and and, and attack them in a slightly different way. I, I don't believe that... I think that you could do with coming on a bit earlier. When it's not working and it wasn't working, then mm-hmm. you need to make these changes a little bit quicker, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you, there is an argument to be made from a stats point of view that when you're down at half-time and you've actually given nothing going forward, you really should make changes earlier in the game, yeah. even at half-time, yeah. to get yourself back in it. Because if you're 2-0 down with only half the game to play, you need to change that up quicker rather than waiting and seeing if they can turn it around. It's quite obvious it wasn't his night that night and I would have been happy to, to change it up. Yeah. However, this is the problem. If we're playing like, I don't know, let's just put it out there, South End, right, at the weekend now... I would be really gunning for us to change the squad up. Sunderland, and we'll come into that, is a difficult one. You want to put your best players in. I don't, yeah. I mean, however, maybe, and I'm I'm doing a little sort of finger sign here, but however knackered they might well be, you know, you can't, I don't think you can be dropping any of those players. I think they're all going to be up for this game. They know how important it is, and I'm pretty sure they're going to dig in quite deep. And, you know, obviously, as we've said, we'll discuss it later on, but. You know, hopefully we can get something out of that game, and and then I think you you can start looking at the Gillingham game, the Fleetwood game to start maybe rotating the squad, bringing in the likes of Burge, Dion Donahue's back now, which is is only but good news really, and you know that that's a big thing. He's he's done a little cheer here. I've I've had to revert on Dion because you know he when he was fit and he he was coming back into the squad, he was giving us something a little bit different, especially from that left side corners. Corners, yeah, set pieces, you know, and and Big Ollie Hawkins is going to love that sort of service. So yeah, sure. You know, I don't think it's anything to fear about changing a squad, and it's not any disrespect to the likes of Gillingham. Obviously, came to Fratton Park and and you know did a number on us with a two nil win. So I'm not saying that that the Gillingham game is going to be you know a, a smaller game and we're expected to walk away with three points through what happens. But I think it is an opportunity to be able to rest these players. Yeah. So right, we'll go into the Sunderland game in a bit, but. Are we done for part one? Yeah, yeah. Right, right, guys. Cheers, guys. So, part one done. We'll play some sort of little jingle, and then we're going to fly into part two, where we're going to talk about a little bit of breaking news, and then we're going to go into Matt's debate. Welcome back to part two of the PO forecast, and it's been discussed quite a lot on Twitter. So we've been asking around, and 
People, have you heard of Ryan Yates? Because if you haven't heard of Ryan Yates, you should look into him. Get your phones out now. Actually, no, do that after you listen to the podcast, especially if you're driving. But yeah, so <laughs> Ryan Yates, midfielder from Nottingham Forest. Uh, we're hearing a potential low move to Pompey in January. Uh, we're hearing it's also quite likely from talking around to people. So this one could be a good goer, people. So who is he? Matt, roll into it. Okay, so he's a young lad who's applying his trade in the Forest Academy at the moment. He was out on loan at the beginning of last season with Notts County. Mm-hmm. He had quite a fruitful loan spell and, and impressed quite highly. He there. obviously didn't want to travel far then. Yeah, yeah, clearly not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Is it is you know he's a he's a potential sort of forest prospect and they're they're letting him go down the road. It's, but a, fr- it's a friendly rivalry, I think, yeah, isn't it? It's not, it's, it's not the derby sort of derby forest no, rivalry. No, of course not. You know, and and I think it's obviously not going to impact them too much. Um, he then moved on in January and headed across to Scunthorpe. Step up a league. Yeah, he did step up a league and he did really well there actually, and obviously helped them in their push into the playoffs. Um, they unfortunately lost out to Rotherham in those playoffs and Rotherham are actually also interested in Ryan Yates as well. I believe that Ryan Yates, I know that Rotherham are interested in, but they, they're not looking to pay some of his wages. That's I correct, think that's yeah. the problem for Rotherham. It's a financial reason. So we've obviously got the money to pay him, on, you know, his wages. His wages. I mean, there was, a, when it was first broke in a, sort of a month or so ago, there was a potential rumoured transfer fee of around £500,000 coming out of mm-hmm. Nottingham. Apparently we by all accounts, were happy to, to sort of pay that money. But I just can't see that being justified. And I think a loan move with a potential... Loan to, to buy is what I'm hearing. It's definitely yeah. going to be the right move for that. Kind of Chaplin-esque, but maybe not signing it straight away. Yeah. I think the I think another thing is, though, that 500k, you think, might be a lot of money for a player who's made limited appearances, a one appearance for, for Forrest. Yeah, and that came, obviously, in the cup. said, in the cup against Berry as well. Yeah, so. but, however... If you look on Twitter, Nottingham Forest fans are absolutely kicking off about they him are. potentially leaving on a proper like permanent deal. They think that he can slot into the squad now in the championship. And as we we're always going through, aren't we? You know, what which of our players can make it in the championship? Yeah. 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 And well, Nottingham Forest fans think that he should be playing for them. So they think five. And one of them said on Twitter, I saw five hundred k plus Matt Clark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. 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 But so obviously you can see they value him anyway. Uh, yeah, completely. I mean, who who doesn't want young talent to, to come through and break into the squad? I, I'm a big fan of it, you know, and, and personally, I can see why they'd be a bit upset. I think, unfortunately for Ryan Yates, he's, you know, a club that, uh, you know, have a, have a lot of money. They have a big manager in Ita Kranka. And I don't think he's really going to be the type of manager looking into to bringing through a bit of youth for them. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but... You know, I think it can only be a bonus for us. Yeah, he's definitely going to bring that, you know, attacking mentality through. You know, he does like to sit in as well and drive forward and and sit in behind the strikers. He he's got good passing ability as well. Not the biggest goal scorer, but I think it's more the creativity at the moment, which is is really why we're going to be looking to bring him in. So yeah, keep an eye out on that one. Yeah. So if we hear anything, we'll put it on the Twitter account. Right. Yeah, we will indeed. So, um, Matt, do you know what time it is? I do know what time it is. It's time for Matt's Debate. That's right, Bobby fans. It's time for Matt's Debate. And today, well, I'm going to take this over to Matt because he put out a brilliant poll. <laughs> 
<laughs> for the whole of Twitter to answer with a question that made absolutely no sense, <laughs> but did get a lot of replies from you guys. So thanks for joining in. Matt, what was your ridiculously uh, weird answer question? Do you know what? I'm going to put a hands up here and, and apologise to everyone that had to read this absolutely terrible question. Unfortunately, it was a double question for a one-answer poll, so... In the same sentence. In the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why I came out of G- with GCSEs of, you know, Ds, Es. <laughs> Don't play yourself down, Matt. Come on, no, let's no. go for it. Let's go for it. Ask so, the question. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, is Saturday a, deci- a defining game for Pompey? And if we were to lose against Sunderland, will automatic promotion still be possible? So there's two questions there, isn't it? Will this game define our season? Will automatic promotion be possible? So I think from from the poll and, and the results, we've had 305 votes. 65% of people have said yes. 10% of people said no. And 25% are saying it's too early to say. I'm pretty much guessing you guys were basing that on will automatic promotion still be possible? Yeah. So Which is what I voted on. Yes. And I am... As Hugh said, overly grateful for you all getting involved and covering the second question in comments. Yeah. There's been an absolutely fantastic amount of input from you guys. and Probably the most you've ever had, actually. Yeah, yeah, massively. So we'll, we'll move on to, to some sort of input that I've kind of, you know, jotted down um, and we'll, we'll sort of thank everyone in a bit. My opinion, and the reason that I put it out is... And, and this is why it was worded so badly, so hopefully I can correct it for you guys right now. Defining a season, the way I, I, I'm kind of trying to put this across is I think sometimes when you go into three big games, such as Charlton at home, who are in the top six, Barnsley away, who are fighting for automatic, and then obviously the big game on Saturday, if you're coming out of that with one point, in my opinion... I think it could potentially be a little bit season defining on on the aspect that you know our promotion rivals might be looking at this and going well actually do you know what they're not as strong they've beaten the weaker opposition but you know they they're maybe not going to be such big title rivals and therefore you know when we're looking at having Peterborough come down at home when we're looking at Barnsley coming down to Fratton Park when we're going away to Charlton when we're going to be going away to Sunderland in April you know it it can potentially in my eyes I think it can define a season if, if we're if we're only coming out with one point that's just my opinion obviously hence why it's Matt's debate but I'd love to hear your thoughts mate my, my opinion is actually completely different I don't think that a few games like this defines a season I think that you look at other teams around us Barnsley of recent have had a bit of a, a skid should we say they lost to they've, they've dropped out of the top six. They also they lost to Sunderland recently. They did. Yeah. They, they they drew against us at home. Didn't get a win. Doesn't mean that Portsmouth, for instance, are going to go back and think, "Oh, Barnsley, they're going to be a team which we can now beat." Okay, I think personally that every team goes as a slow a slow period. We haven't had one as as of yet, really. Mm-hmm. And people won't underestimate us or think that they can beat us or think that this is going to be an easier game purely on the basis of a few games around Christmas is always a tough time for fixtures in particular. I don't think that that will define us as a team. What will define us is if that then carries on into our form against other teams in the new year. If we then go to other teams and play 
you know, the likes of Gillingham again and lose to them again. And then we start playing Wimbledon or whoever. And then, then we start, that's when teams will go, wait a second, mm-hmm. this form has carried on. I mean, I see what you're saying. I, I completely get what you're saying. But is, is this just a dip of form or is this class starting to show? You know, I, I think it's dip of form. But I don't, think, I don't think it's a dip of form. I think it's the level of, of Charlton robbed Barnsley, good point. I don't think that's even a dip of form. I think that if we had beaten Charlton and got a point away at Barnsley, we're having this discussion. We're going, hey, we just got four points against those two yeah, great no, no, teams. Completely. And that's why I'm saying, that, you know, it, if we come out with four points, then all the more better. But if, you, if you're coming out of that with one point of those three games, how important then does a, a game against Gillingham and a game against Fleetwood and AFC Wimbledon, how important do those three games then become? They're all important. Let's be honest. Every I mean, game, yeah, important. obviously, every you know. I mean, I'll be saying in a, in however long, you know, Bristol Rovers at home is an important fixture. I'm not mm-hmm. taking that away from it, but what I'm saying is, you've got to quickly nip that in the bud against the likes of Gillingham and Fleetwood. Which, okay, you're going to look at and go, well, we should be taking the points, but we said that when we played Gillingham at home, and they came and did a job, turned us over two nil. You know, Fleetwood didn't roll over against us. Yeah, all right, we got the win, but it, it was a tight knit one nil game. So as far as uh, as it could be, this we could be looking at this coming away from the Fleetwood game with two points, three points. Then then there is a problem, isn't there? Yeah, but the, I don't think that your your question, Matt. Going back, you've got off target. Your question is: do, Does this mean that other teams? Is your point was look at us and think? Oh, they're they're not this great team, etc. No, they won't. Honestly, we there people will know we're unlucky against Charlton. People will think, "Oh, Barnsley away." That's a good point. That is, yeah. and no one's going to think Sunderland's a, co- a coin toss in my head either way. Yeah, it goes. of course it is. I mean, and and that's the great thing about the game. And you know, we're we're just about to kind of go into you guys' thoughts and and hear what you guys have all said. And you know what Hugh's saying. A lot of you have backed up. I think some of you have also got a bit of a, a stick and twist opinion on it which mm. is quite interesting it's um, great the view, amount of different view opinions and stuff we've got isn't it yeah yeah completely so because we've got quite a few unfortunately we're not going to be able to go through all of them but I have just sort of put in the, the lucky uh, few that managed to get in first so. the lucky few <laughs> <laughs> what it basically means is the one he found first was looking on his phone <laughs> that's it yeah, yeah. so um, we had at Harry McWhirr and he said, I think if we win against Sunderland, it could push us on to win the league. Yeah, I think it definitely could do. Obviously, you know, I think there's going to be a few games if we win, we're going to be looking at, at you know, winning the league. So, but I think it, it definitely will give us a big edge over our, our current title rivals. So, Especially since they've got two games in hand over us exactly. at the moment. Yeah, Getting I mean, that, that win makes a big difference. Out, doesn't it? So, yeah, um, massive difference. So... Thank you for that one. Uh, then we had Sonny, is that B-Y-N-G or Bing? Yeah. Uh, he suggested, he thinks it is season-defining. However, it doesn't mean we'll be out of an automatic race and thinks that Sunderland will pull ahead with a win on Saturday. Okay. Do, do you think that, Matt? We're going to come into that, aren't we, actually? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll and, and I will sort of cover that later. Um, at James Frowen, he said that he doesn't think it's season-defining. It is an important game. Win, lose or draw on Saturday, we'll still be amongst it come the end of the season and we'll be playing well. Kenny's a very clever manager. Can't agree more with that. I think that's why, for me, it's not something 
although being a massive fixture, I don't think it's something to worry about too much on Saturday. You know, Sunderland are a big club, but we're a massive club as well. Mm-hmm. So I definitely agree with that. Talon said, mathematically, no. Not really, of course, it is in the grand scheme of the season. But if we lose, it's no big issue. So, you know, again, same sort of thought. <clears throat> Greg, our, our lovely Greg. Hey, the man. The, ma- the man who... At walks his way. At walks his way. Give him a follow. So, Greg has, has kindly given his thoughts. He said, anything but a loss would be a great confidence boost, I believe. There is no team we should fear in the league. And so many fans wrote us off against Peterborough, for example, with both teams undefeated at the time. Then fans expected us to walk over Gillingham. Funny old game. Definitely. That's football, isn't it? It's definitely football. I think I do agree with Greg and I agree with a lot of people here. It's definitely going to be a big confidence boost if we come out of this with a win on Saturday. Again... You know, this is why it's match debate. I I genuinely think, you know, I have my opinion. I've stated that. You've got your opinion on it. The correct opinion. <laughs> yeah. Always correct, don't you, mate? So, you know, and, and as someone else has kindly pointed out, Roa69, he said, it's a 46-game 40, season. No single game defines the season isolation. So I think that really does kind of sum up, you know... I think that sums up Kenny Jacket's mentality. Now, yeah. let's just put this out here. Kenny Jacket is a very methodical, very professional, very sort of tactical manager. Yeah. And he'll prepare the players game to game to go in and get the points in that game. I don't think the the team, are, I think they've got their feet on the ground quite a lot. I think he keeps the team quite grounded, yeah. focused on the next game, focused on the game after that. You know, and they know where they are and they know where they want to be and they know to, to do that is that sort of stereotype typical cliche, sorry, yes. even. Yeah. Oh, focus on the next game, but focus on the next game. But I feel that that actually means that even if we lose to Sunderland, Kenny Jacket's not going to care and the squad aren't going to care what, what I don't know, Barnsley think about us because that's irrelevant to them. What they think, what, what is important to them is how they pick themselves up, dust, yeah. dust themselves off and get into the next game. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 you know, I, I agree with what you're saying and, and let's hope that that's the outcome at the end of the season, no matter what. We're, we are going to be up and around there. I would just rather that we were in and amongst it as an automatic chase in them rather than going into the playoffs. You know, it's just not something that I really want to be going through. I've spent years of my life watching playoffs games and I, I can just know how hurtful it can be. Obviously, we had the Plymouth incident a couple of years ago, unfortunately sitting in Prague airport, mm-hmm. you know, head in hands, completely gutted. So, And we're three hours early for a flight. <laughs> This is annoying coming back from your stag, isn't it? It was, it was my yeah, stag. Yeah, coming yeah, back yeah. from Matt's stag, dude. Matt's, Matt's dad basically insisted on getting to Prague Airport three hours before the actual flight left. Yeah. <laughs> it's tragic. I mean, it, it, sort of back to the point a little bit. What, what were your predictions out of the potential nine points in the three games, personally yourself? I thought we should get six points. Six points. So, uh, Stuart kindly said that he thought. We would um, beat Charlton, lose to Barnsley and draw with Sunderland. So he had a four out of nine rate Mm -hmm. out of that. I thought we would beat Charlton, draw at Barnsley, draw at Sunderland. So five points, you know, and and it could still be potentially around that mark, which, you know, we'll walk away with that happily. So... Again, thanks everyone for for your input. It's right. it's a really interesting, um, you know, point as far as I'm concerned. And you've all made some really interesting. Uh... Yeah, cheers everyone. Appreciate the input. Yeah. Now, 
since we're talking about Sunderland, yep. let's get ourselves together. Let's get into part three yeah. and let's start the proper analysis and the proper preview for the Sunderland game. All right, back in a minute. Welcome back to part three of the PO forecast and it's time to do the preview of the game we've all been waiting for that half of us can't get tickets for. It's Sunderland. Matt. Yeah, yeah, massive game. We've sort of had to to discuss it during the show even without trying to to not wait for this part. That's right. Um, Obviously, there's so much to say about it, so much to cover about it. So... I'm going to do my little bits for you guys, just give you a couple of little stats. So they're currently sitting third in League One. They're five points off of us, uh, have two games in hand um, over Pompey and Luton. So they can jump one point clear if they win those two games. Obviously, that's what makes it more pivotal for us to pick up the three points and stop that from happening on the weekend. One interesting thing, I think everybody sees Sunderland as this big threat, as I was just saying to you in the break. Juggernaut, even. Yeah, good word for it. But, and although, albeit they've only lost once all season, they've actually drawn seven. So, not, I mean, that's a lot of points gone missing from them. And I think, yes, they have had Barnsley at home. They won 4-2. They drew two all with Peterborough at home mm-hmm. as well. So you know they can they can get results and and I don't think they fear anyone as much as we we don't fear anyone you know and that's what you know is is really gonna sort of even make this game a, a hugely open game as we've sort of discussed with other people and you'll go into that a little bit later or it's gonna be the the really tight game that I'm expecting myself so hitmen for Sunderland to look out for during the game Josh Madger. 12 goals. Hugh, do you want to sort of give your thoughts on Josh Madger and what you've been looking at? Yeah, so Josh Madger, young striker up front, clinical. He can shoot from anywhere. He can score with his back face to goal. He's one of those players that you you can't give him an inch. He will take a mile. Matt Clark needs to be watching him all game. I want to see um, also Jack Watmore getting in behind and making sure he doesn't beat one of our players because he can skin Matt Clark and you have to be careful to watch him from there. And there's not many players in this league that I'll be concerned that can happen to. He's he's got a little bit of criticism in some parts of Sunderland fans. Now I was um, I was just on a podcast for the Roker Report, which is a Sunderland-based podcast, and we're discussing it. Some of the Sunderland fans give a little bit of criticism because he's not that physical. He can't hold the ball up very well, so expect him to get ball into feet. Now apparently that criticism is completely unjustified for the young striker, really. But he is not the kind of player to push us off the ball. He will try and beat us quickly, and he will get good service from the likes of uh, Lyndon Gooch, who will play the ball into feet. Aidy McGeady as well, another player an absolute form who will potentially cause us problems I think we need to win the ball in midfield and we're going to have the likes of Naylor and Thompson need to be on their game they need to be winning the ball in the middle of the field and making sure that we're pressing Sunderland with the likes of Curtis the likes of Lowe the likes of Evans if we can get the ball forward and play on the front foot I think we can come away with a really good win against Sunderland if not and if we sit deep a little bit like in the Charlton first half where we sat back and let Charlton run at us. These guys are going to score and cause us a lot of problems. That's it. I mean, you, you were talking about Lyndon Gooch. So he's actually got six goals this season. Seven assists as well, I think. Seven assists, six goals. Josh Madger, 12 goals, four assists. Second in the league scoring, I believe. A name that we all know. Um, Chris Maguire. 
scored that legendary goal down at St Fairy's for us in the two-all draw. He's banged in six goals already this season. And Aidan McGeady, who obviously everybody knows, had Champions League experience on Celtic. He's already got six goals as well this season. Yeah, and I think that Sunderland have the ability to come back into games as well, even if you go ahead. Um, the game against Warsaw springs to mind when they went down to 10 men and still managed to come back in that game as well. They were 1-0 down on the weekend against Bristol as well. Yeah, they? and came and back, came back again. So it's got to be, a, it's not about, I think one of the things that sometimes we can do is try and shut down after scoring a few goals. I think we'd be a bit silly to do that against Sunderland who have the ability to punish us. We've got to be on the front foot and yeah. we've got to be get going from the start. Now, another thing that's interesting about Sunderland is if you look at the XG stats so far over the season, okay, so expected goals for and expected goals against, so how many chances so we suppress as well. The likes of us, yeah, Barnsley and Luton create the most high scoring chances in the league and also give away the least high scoring chances in the league. Sunderland, in comparison, create less high high chances, okay? So their XG is lower. They also give away more chances than any of the other the top three around us. Now, you can look at that and go, well, you know, they're not creating as much, which is true. But when they do create things, Sunderland have the ability to score and punish you. Whilst we're creating a lot of stuff, it could be argued that we should take more goals, as we'll say about that. Maybe we need a new striker, as me and Matt have been babbling on about. Yep. And that would allow us to take another step. So we need to make sure we take our chances in this game. Sunderland at the back, Matt. I was talking to the guys on the podcast there, the Sunderland podcast, the Roker Report, and they were telling me that they get bullied a little bit at the back by a bit of strength up front. They do. So as I was sort of saying to you myself as well, you know, Bristol really targeted them at the back. They were throwing balls in near post, far post, low, high. And Sunderland didn't really have a lot of answer to it. As I said to you, the thing with Bristol Rovers, and it's, it's nothing against them at all, but they're not going to create the amount of chances that we would be expected to be creating. They're like the opposite Sunderland. of clinical as well. They're not known for scoring loads of goals. No. So if we can play the right way, as you said, I think it's so important to win that midfield battle and get at Sunderland and really, really put them under the cosh. This sort of rolls onto it as well. So they're actually, at the moment, they're sweating on the fitness of their goalkeeper, John McLaughlin. Um, he could miss out with... The keeper, Robin Reuter, taking his place. He's only played Secretary Trophy games. Uh, the Sunderland manager actually believes that he'll fit in fine and there won't be any problem. Yeah, but that's the dreaded vote of no confidence, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. That, and I think that's, that's that, even, oh, He'll be fine, he'll be fine. And I, and I think that's where we've got to be looking at it and going, let's test him early. If he if he does play and, and the, you know, McLaughlin isn't back, let's, let's fire some early shots at him. I'm looking at you, Lee Brown. Yeah, Lee Brown. Yeah, and and you've said it's coming. So you know, if it's this one, I think my co-host here, Hugh, is going to be probably the happiest man if you get a forty-yard screen winner. So uh, have a go, son. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, I for me, I think I completely agree with you. I think most Pompey fans will agree with you. That midfield battle is crucial. I think we need to get balls into the box. I know. Ollie Hawkins has had criticism in terms of his height and, and his conversions this season. But if we can just keep getting balls on his head and, and testing that defence, I think there is going to be goals. Uh, you know, Hugh will explain a little bit. You'll probably hear it as well. They seem to think there's going to be a really high scoring game. Yeah. 
um, which is is quite interesting considering you know there's a team there that's got a really solid defence team there that's also really attacking. I think it, th- this is this is probably one of the hardest games to to call for me really in, in my opinion. I mean, go and read. We're going to have an article out soon on the uh, Pompey News Now website from one of the guys from the Roker Report who gives his match predictions, etc. They're looking at a 3 2 win. And on, on the podcast I was talking on, they're saying 2 2 draw. They would be okay, happy with a draw, definitely. But, you know, they want to come and win it, obviously, in that sense. But I think that they're expecting quite a few goals in this game. Because they, they look at our attacking side, they look at how they're scoring, and they see it being an open, you know, more free-scoring game. Let's hope so for the fans. I mean, a good game, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah completely. I mean, I, I think any fan would love to go and, and see a 3-2 to, to Pompey or a 2-2 or, you know, however it might pan out. I, personally... You, you'll always say I'm wrong, but personally, I, I don't think you're wrong. Be, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a, a big one. I think you're. I'm, I'm going with a one goal win here. I thought you were going to go no no then. <laughs> Do you know what, Hugh? That would be the most disappointing outcome for I think everybody really, and and myself included. I can see a draw, definitely, possibly a one all, but I just think if we can get that goal, our defence. This season has been impeccable. I do agree with you. We don't need to be inviting Sunderland onto us and giving that opportunity. We really do need to to trap them and, and keep them in their own half and make them play football, you know, in their own half and not around our area. As you said, Josh Madger, you know, back to goal, facing goal, it doesn't really matter for him. He's quick on the turn. He has a lethal shot as well. I remember him scoring a goal at Fulham in uh, the season Fulham came up and, and Sunderland's already been relegated. And he hit a, a shot from about 25 yards with pace, skipped up off the surface and went bottom corner. So, you know, this is what Hugh was saying about the danger of him. We all know Chris Maguire's got a great strike on him. Lyndon Gooch, I mean, Hugh kind of put it well. It might confuse people, but he does go missing. Not in the sense that you don't, you know, you don't see him, but he defenders struggle to find him. He's happy to go and drift off out wide. He's happy to go and drift off into the corners. But he's quite happy to just find his way back into yeah, the middle. He as well. finds space so he can play in it. And I'll be honest, actually, sometimes I think about our wingers and think they could do with drifting a little bit more to find yeah. when the, when they're being marked out by a right or left back. I think they could do with just coming inside a bit more, drifting in, switching it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look as well, when we have done that this season, I mean, Ronan Curtis against Plymouth, he, he did that a lot. He came back inside mm-hmm. and he was getting more central down the channels and running in between them. So I, I, I 100% think that that could cause a hell of a lot of problems. Jamal Lowe's goal against Southend, I mean, you think he's playing on the right, but he's drifted back into the box and cut, cut yep. for the right and naturally no one picked him up because That's no one it. saw him coming. So... You know, we, we need to be clever. We need to be canny against them. We need to be strong. And we just need to have that right mindset of, right, we're 1-0 up. Let's not just go back into our shell and invite this on and try and hold it for 83 minutes because Sunderland aren't the team to do that against. No, they, if you team. invite pressure on you, they are likely to score, even how good defensively we are. Is it a big game for Ollie Hawkins for you, Matt? It is. It's, it's a, a huge game. I've seen a lot of... Pittman needs to come back. Pittman needs to to have a shot. I mean, I'm not a hater of Brett Pittman at all. I'm, I'm a massive fan of Brett Pittman. And I believe that, you know, he's not just the sort of player that's going to score goals from outside the box, tap-ins on the far post, near post. He can get up in the air as well. 
but Sunderland's weakness is is a physical battle up front with a big tall striker. That is the question that they've been asking me. What are you a physical team? Are you going to shake us up up front? Because and if yeah. you are, we're going to cause us problems. And of course we will. I mean, you've got the likes of Ben Thompson who loves to press, loves a big challenge, loves to to get in hard and physical. Naylor. Naylor, you know, he likes to to control that midfield, keep the ball down, gets his foot in and isn't worried to do that at all and he's fantastic at backtracking. Ollie Hawkins, we we know we know how physical he is. It does concern me a little bit with his with such a tall guy. His conversion rate from headers is is not massive. I want to do some stats tracking on that actually. Yeah, and mm. once we do, we, we'll put some stats out for you on that. But I think this is a huge game, and I think one goal could come, you know, from a, from across a corner, even a corner. Matt Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt Clark, Jack Watmore, whoever it could be. But I, I think that's where we win the game. In Lee Brown. Lee, well, you're you're screaming out for Lee Brown to get this goal, and I'll be as happy as you would, mate. So, Matt, just to wrap this up, then let's go into it. I want to hear your match prediction for this game. Okay, so sorry to disappoint all the Pompey fans going, but I can only see the one goal as I've said. Ollie Hawkins for me, one nil, still the win. Go away happy. Okay. I like that. I'm going to go slightly different Pompey fans. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Pompey win. I think it's going to be one of those games that Ollie Hawkins is going to be an absolute handful and therefore he's going to enable Curtis and Lowe to get in a bit amongst them. He'll create space by causing havoc up front. I think we're going to get a Ronan Curtis goal. Jamal Lowe after Sunderland equalise. Probably I'm going to go Lyndon Gooch to get one back followed by Jamal Lowe to score the winner in the last 10 minutes. It's going to be a 2-1 Pompey win and we're all going to come home smiling and ready for Christmas. Do you know what? I'm, I'm happy you kind of said that in a way because it, it leads on which everyone will be able to read on, on the website, the article. They're actually weak at right back as well. Yeah, they are. At the moment. And, you know, the last thing you need is a weak, you know, right back up against the likes of, of Ronan Curtis. Yeah, good point, Matt, bringing that up. Mayhem. So, do you know what? Get at them and I think this could be ours sit back like we have against Charlton and Barnsley on the 1-0 and there could be all kinds of problems. I haven't got a problem with us winning 1-0, but I want us to win 1-0 in the right way. I yeah. don't want us to win 1-0 by holding on for 83 minutes or whatever it could oh. be. Yeah. Anyway, cheers guys for listening again. Before we quickly shoot off, yep. just want to quickly shout out to everyone. There is going to be uh, a little sort of episode to go alongside this one. It will be out as soon as we can get it out. It should be in the next sort of day or two. We had a quick trip down to Bogner. We did indeed. Um, we wanted to go and catch up with Dan Smith. Now he's back from injury. Um, and we also had a little chat with Lee Roberts as well, who's part of the commentary team for Bogner, just to sort of catch up on their progression, how they're doing, how the new lad Freddie Reid and Leon Maloney have been doing down there. Yep. Freddie did actually play, which uh, was because Brad was out with a cold that day. Yeah, yeah, he was ill. He was, he was really ill. Um, so... Freddie actually came in for Brad because they're only allowed two lone players. We actually didn't manage to catch up with Freddie Reid after the game, but there's a really interesting interview with Dan Smith on there. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Have a look. It will be up on, obviously, all of our SoundCloud, Apple... SoundCloud, yeah, that's it, Matt. Do it. We've got Google it's going to be on SoundCloud, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and please let us know anywhere else you want us to put our podcast. But until then, Pompey fans, it's a big game. Wish everyone luck and have a great time at the game down on Saturday. Until we speak next time, play out Pompey. Play out Pompey. Play out Pompey.